Back then we really started out as a GraphQL backend service. GraphQL was fairly new, we were spending most of our time explaining to people what GraphQL is. Now GraphQL has become really mainstream for both for people to introduce it in their companies but also to build new services around GraphQL. We came all together and we were kind of speaking about how can we make GraphQL more of an open standard, how can we like have the community say on where this is going. We have meetups all around the world, like in Sydney, in Asia, in Europe, in Paris, London, Berlin, Barcelona, also a lot of them here like in New York. So the community is just exploding. Do you guys use GraphQL internally for your, your stack? <laughs> of course. <laughs> hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. So welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. In the house, I've got the co-founders of GraphCool, uh, Johannes. Hey, I'm Johannes. And uh, now we have Soren, too, as well. Hey, I'm Soren. Good. Glad to be here. Cool. And uh, for the listeners, if you aren't caught up with all of our episodes, um, Johannes was actually on episode 13 not too long ago, so talking about GraphCool and how it got started. But there's been a lot of changes in the last year, almost yeah. a year, since yeah. we talked last. So what's new with GraphCool? Oh, wow. Uh, that, that's, that's quite a lot. So I think the last time we spoke, we were just launching, or just launched, I think. And back then, we really started out as a GraphQL backend service. GraphQL was fairly new. We were spending most of our time explaining to people what GraphQL is. Now GraphQL has become really mainstream for both for people to introduce it in their companies, but also to build new services around GraphQL. So we had quite a lot of progression forward from GraphQL backend service, and now we're moving more into, like we, we just open source basically GraphQL as a backend development framework. Yeah. So there we've seen like a lot of change over, over the last year. You guys were pretty early on on the whole bandwagon of like starting a company around the idea of GraphQL. I thought that was really interesting. So, did you guys have any like any issues trying to keep up with the spec as it was evolving? I know we had subscriptions in the last year. Now we might have live queries coming up soon. Right, right, right. Um, I think subscriptions were particularly interesting since it was always talked a lot about from like talks and and, and different people being excited about it. But the spec has always been rather lacking behind. So it was never like that the spec is moving so quickly that we couldn't keep up, but rather the other way around, that the community is moving so quickly and the spec has problems to keep up to the to demands of the community and uh, what people are already adopting. So subscriptions, for example, we're working together with Apollo on like different experiments and implementations of how that looks like released a couple of early implementations and then together with Rob from Facebook we eventually landed on a on a good format that we eventually put into the official specification but currently like you you mentioned live queries and a lot of other things there are like way more ideas that could potentially be put into the into the official GraphQL spec so just for reference just last Friday after the GraphQL summit we all came together at Facebook to for the GraphQL working group where we're speaking about all of these exciting new features. So that's super interesting. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up too, because I was gonna ask if there was like some sort of committee like TC39 to talk about GraphQL. So you say there's a working group. Is this uh, something that's been around for a while or do you guys just 
since everybody was here for the GraphQL summit, did you guys just happen to say, "Hey, let's meet"? Right. So th- this was the second time the the GraphQL working group came up. So at the GraphQL Europe conference uh, earlier this year, we came all together and we were kind of speaking about how can we make GraphQL more of an open standard. How can we like have the community say on where this is going and how, how we can have something similar to TC39. And there the, the wake idea of a working group came up. And yeah, about like two months ago we had the first meeting that was like a globally remote call with around 20 people, like literally all around the world where we had people from Atlassian joining from Australia, people from Apollo here, people from Facebook and Menlo Park, uh, us joining in from Berlin, a couple of other people joining in from, from all over the world. We had a, an agenda, so all of this is, is, is in public. So there's a a GitHub repository on slash GraphQL slash GraphQL WG for a working group. And there you can always find like the agenda. People can create a pull request on what they want to talk about. Okay. And so whoever feels like compelled to to add a certain item to talk about or what they want to have as part of the spec, error handling, live queries, code generation, uh, this meeting is a is a great format. You mentioned GraphQL Europe too. That also happened since the the last year, but we also came off GraphQL Summit. So, and also tying into your mention of the community growing and making decisions, we've seen the community grow quite a bit. So, yeah. what's your your take on the growth of the community and also the adoption of GraphQL? Right, you think it has some staying power at this uh, point. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, it was pretty clear for us like already a year ago. Otherwise, we wouldn't have like bet so much on it. But we are rather surprised of like how quickly also bigger companies are adopting GraphQL. Like there are a ton of companies where we don't even know that they're already adopting GraphQL. Then at some point they pop up and say like, "Hey, we are, we've been doing this thing for the last two years." So IBM is, for example, one of these uh, companies where we we're super excited about that they're using it internally, and the community is really fostering. So we have like meetups all around the world, like in in Sydney and. In Asia, like a, a lot of them in in Europe, in Paris, London, Berlin, uh, Barcelona, also a lot of them here, yeah. like in New York, San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco I, is just I, right. I, I can one walk away. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the the community is just exploding there. Our Slack community is actually now one of the biggest melting pots of GraphQL. So yeah, we I think I saw it was twenty, like over twenty five hundred, just in general. We have like almost six thousand now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I was looking at the wrong one, <laughs> the wrong channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so a lot. That, that's the biggest GraphQL community so far, and it's just amazing how people kind of help each other to get GraphQL adopted. And there are so many different patterns now emerging of how people use GraphQL. So I think an interesting pattern is like to distinguish GraphQL as a gateway technology and GraphQL native as a as a way to build new GraphQL applications. And yeah, it's, it's just amazing to to see so many applications. Speaking of those like applications, uh, I don't know if you can speak on this. Like, what are the technical challenges for adopting GraphQL in a like a company? Because I know everybody's got REST APIs, and I assume you guys are using it internally. You guys use GraphQL internally for your your stack, <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay, yeah. So most of our internal tooling is built on GraphQL with GraphQL. Um, okay, yeah. So there's kind of two ways you. You go into GraphQL as a company. Either you have existing infrastructure, you have your existing REST APIs, and what you want to do is have a GraphQL proxy in front of that, have a coherent API. So that's kind of your entry point into GraphQL. The other is you want to build new features, you want to build new products. You start from the from the bottom up with GraphQL. That's kind of what we call GraphQL native development. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I just saw the blog post you guys had put out. 
actually, I just read it on the way on the train uh, for like <laughs> awesome. the third time because I thought it was so great talking about the two implementations that you're talking about, like the entry point where. So my talk at GraphQL Summit was all about wrappers and using GraphQL wrappers. Right. And uh, I started the native side first of just trying to get in onto our API, like attached at the hip. But I found having the GraphQL gateway, uh, as you would put it, being so much more approachable, but also a better selling point to get introductory GraphQL into a product, or including Netlify too, is what where my my main uh, focus was. We actually wrote it also three times because it was oh, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so glad we we had these iterations on both sides. Yeah. So. <laughs> So now large companies are attaching themselves. Is there any pain points that people are seeing going GraphQL first or GraphQL native? So when you do build out a GraphQL API, then you need to start thinking about how do I query my data? How do I expose my data in a way that is fast and flexible? So this is where you need to, to start thinking about the data loader pattern and an efficient query layer and how does that fit into my existing databases? Do I need to start actually scale this out in a way that I didn't have to think about before? So those are kind of the, the technical challenges companies have to, to face. I missed a lot of talks at GraphQL Summit. I was very focused on my talk the first day, and then the second day, I ended up sneaking away to do actually a recording for Jamstack Radio. So I missed a lot of talks at GraphQL Summit, but I'm not sure if it got brought up. Like the idea of performance, I know Apollo's engine. It's now going to have way more features, but performance in GraphQL is it? That's something that's a, a big focus point on GraphQL as of like the short term. Do you mean on, on GraphQL or GraphQL? Uh, this GraphQL, GraphQL. Actually, do you guys have a solution for something similar, like being able to see like um, uh, performance to see like if your right. queries, right, which right, queries right. are bad? So I think this is where you have to clearly this. Uh, this is why it's so important for us that people people understand the distinction between like GraphQL as a gateway and GraphQL native to build new applications. Yeah. So we're all the way on the GraphQL native end, and we want to make it really simple for people to build new, scalable, production-ready GraphQL backends yeah. um, that they also can then compose together in an API gateway layer with existing legacy infrastructure. And I think in this API gateway, this becomes a really crowded area. So we've learned about tons of companies who are building like what APG was for now for, for GraphQL, and, and this were also Apollo with their newest product tries to solve a couple of problems with like error handling or caching. And I feel like this part of this API gateway, this will be a really tough domain to be in, since it's like both like from a business point of view, attacked from uh, open source. So there most of these things are better solved by open source technology and also by by just so many businesses trying to own that. At the same time, this is where you best address uh, things like Performance and and caching. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit more about what you had mentioned earlier. You guys now have a framework that you just open sourced. Yeah, can you talk a little more about the decision behind that and how you guys you first started out as backend as a service? Yes, and that makes a lot of sense. But now you have a framework that's open source. So what was that decision? Right. So we started out early last year, uh, early 2016, with this idea. Okay, let's have this ease of use what Firebase or Parse provided us. And let's make that available based on a modern stack, like that works nicely with GraphQL, with built for React applications, and so on. So the idea was having a GraphQL backend service also play nicely with serverless functions, and so on. And this was mainly trying to solve the technical limitations of previous backend service. And this is what we've been working on for the first year, and where we've come already um, pretty far away. And got tons of adoption, and like a lot of people, a lot of companies using it in production. 
but we've constantly got like one one important bit of feedback, which is that people are afraid of vendor lock-in. So after what happened to Paris, that they got acquired and then eventually shut down, and that people are betting typically their company on some technology that they don't have any control over. So people were asking us like, what happens to you guys if you shut down? Like, uh, and Faz was always clear, okay, if we were to shut down, we would just open source everything that people have this peace of mind. And then we kept thinking like, what if we would just open source it right away? What downsides would we have? And this combined with another requirement that people want to one, develop locally and run GraphQL locally and also deploy it in their own clouds. This ultimately led us to take this huge step forward and say, okay, GraphQL is now an open source backend development framework that you can run locally, deploy in your own cloud, and you still have the ease of use that you had before with backend service since we integrate nicely into your cloud deployment. That's a pretty awesome and bold move too. Because I know when I, my initial like introduction to GraphQL was through the Pokédex. Oh yeah, uh, all those applications. <laughs> One thing that was really cool is that not only did I, I was able to walk away through doing that tutorial and have a Pokédex or a GraphQL implementation or React app, but it also gave me examples of ideas of what I could do with GraphQL. So one thing that you would get is you get all your Pokemons in from a query. So then right off the bat, I'm like, oh, okay, I can do queries, I can get all my data, or I can just send an ID and get one one ID back. So that's kind of how the basis of my GraphQL learning started. Which this was through Learn Relay, right? Yeah, Learn okay, Relay. Okay, so yeah. I was able to like take those queries and then mimic that when I was actually doing my Netlify implementation, and then mirror queries that look just like that. Uh, but a lot of times, and I think there was another individual that I was learning GraphQL with at the same time, we thought to ourselves, like, if we could just know what the GraphQL team did to make these queries, then we'd, we'd know exactly like what the structure is. And I think having a framework to look into and also seeing being able to look at the code makes it a lot easier to really understand and be confident in the bet that you're making with GraphQL slash GraphQL. So going forward, I think it makes sense. I don't have to have the concern of if I make the decision, start with GraphQL. Exactly. So or, it's so important to have yeah. this peace of mind really to yeah. make to make a decision for what's part of your stack. What I'm seeing in GraphQL, like my experience was I had to sell the rest of the team, because not everybody on the team is like doing JavaScript development or React or Anything cutting edge, like we do have C plus plus development, and we do have uh, some gophers on the team as well who are just like <laughs> into doing Go code. But I had to sell the whole team because we're a small team on GraphQL as a technology that we should do in the future. But if I walk in there with like this cool hip React code and this cool like tool called GraphQL, then I could see, and that's what I saw, a lot of pushback and like questions and like answers that I'm not a CTO. I don't have all the answers for this. I have not have. Years upon a years on experience, and I haven't seen the web develop from like whatever came from Rust to now have Rust, and then now the evolution to making your Rust really wrap with GraphQL. <laughs> so I'm excited to see what you guys are doing, and I know the open source repos. Do you want to talk about those a bit? Some of the projects I know you guys have Chromeless, right? Yeah, and what else? So we've been working on a ton of different open source projects, mostly related around GraphQL, some around serverless. So you just mentioned Chromeless actually has nothing to do with GraphQL, but still something that we're pretty excited about. Actually, our fastest growing open source project. I think maybe it was actually one of the fastest growing open source projects ever. And the day we launched it and we released it, I think in the first 24 hours, it got around like 5,000 stars on GitHub. And we're like all the way up on, on hack news and like trending on GitHub for, for a week or so. 
So what Chromeless is basically, it, it allows you to run a similar, like what Selenium tests were, it allows you... What they still are. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's a solution for, for that, but running on headless Chrome. And we managed to actually make it work on AWS Lambda so that you can your integration tests or your bot scraping or whatever you want to do in a real browser, you can distribute and parallelize on like a huge serverless cluster and that allowed us to reduce our uh, integration tests from like 20 minutes to like 20 seconds. And yeah, we felt pretty excited about this technology and we, we open sourced it. But yeah, we, we are also working on, uh, of course, the framework is open source, uh, but we have also a couple of weeks ago open source GraphQL Playground. So if you haven't checked it out, I, I highly recommend it. It's kind of like a GraphQL IDE. I think this is one of the typical aha moments for people who are just starting out with GraphQL that they have this graphical editor. Yeah, and I think this is a component of GraphQL Playground, but the GraphQL Playground is more meant as a daily tool for you to work with while you're developing your GraphQL API. So think about it like Postman for your GraphQL API was a ton of features like subscriptions or history or tabs or that you can share your playgrounds and so on. So it's really a, a tool meant for daily development with GraphQL. Besides that, we've like done GraphQL requests, which is the smallest GraphQL client, both for front-end and, and, and back-end. Uh, we've done GraphQL config, which is the foundation for a lot of GraphQL toolings, the GraphQL CLI, which helps you with common workflows. And most of them are just on, on our GitHub profile. So the playgrounds, can you create shareable links? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, cool. So you can basically have your entire uh, development environment where where you say, okay, this is my actual GraphQL endpoint I'm working with, and here I have different tabs. So in first tab, I want to query this certain uh, piece of information. In the second tab, you have a couple of mutations, and you would just want to say, let's share this with my coworker that he or she can like help me debug this. So you can just share the URL, open it in a browser, or open it in like your local Electron app, and that's a pretty essential part of the workflow. Yeah, I need to check that out. Like the way I saw Playground was like more of an enhancement than graphical. Graphical is like good out of the box, and it's great for like giving the aha moment because it's just you just open up the Electron app and you show your coworker or your boss or people on stage. But yeah, Playground looks a little nicer, so I'm actually happy. It, it, it's just like a, a bit of heavier expansion of that, and like. Graphical, for example, doesn't support subscriptions or history and, and so on. So this is where, where GraphQL Playground is, is meant to, to come in. And the Playground is a plug-in replacement. So if, if you're using the Graphical right now, just switch it out of Playground. It's, it's so much better. <laughs> yeah. My experience from more on the native side, building my own, has been through the GraphQL Ruby gem. And then a Graphical has a Ruby gem that you just add to your project. Is, does the Playground also have like a Ruby gem or not yet? But we are uh, so it comes with middlewares for like every every node server, and we're we're just about to to create like for for like Scala and Java and and Ruby like integrations for these. It just takes a bit of time to build all of this. Yeah, if if you want to actually contribute one to Ruby, that that would be fantastic. Yeah, uh, I need to finish my GraphQL setup, and then <laughs> I will. That'll be my next thing. Awesome. But yeah, if no one beats me to it, everybody's slow down <laughs> development so I can have some open source cred. So you mentioned Scala as well, and a couple of the pushbacks that I had throughout the year of my, me personally in my GraphQL de- development and selling like gophers that I work with, uh, Go developers, was that GraphQL, it seemed like a, a node thing, 
Do you see a lot more adoption outside like the JavaScript community now that we have a lot more larger companies uh, using? I know you guys use Scala as well. So how's that that community? So on the server side, GraphQL is, is certainly not just Node. It's yeah, like all the major languages, and especially Scala has probably the the most sophisticated implementation. I would say it's even better than the the Node implementation. So on, on the server side, there's no issue whatsoever in, in using other languages. But as far as adoption of the community, is a community like the Scala community? Are they embracing this GraphQL? Um, like what do you guys call it? Um, Sangria. Sangria. That's yeah, what it's yeah, called. absolutely. Yeah, it's being used by by a bunch of big companies. Yeah, no, uh, I think Twitter's a Twitter's a Scala yes, shop, right? Twitter, yes, it's Coursera. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I would actually go as far as saying that for like the bigger the company is, the more likely it is that the core GraphQL server is not implemented Node. But like GitHub, for example, is one is, is implemented using the Ruby implementation. So is uh, Shopify's one. Uh, like like Saren said, Twitter Coursera is using Sangria. I think New York Times is also using Sangria. Yeah, a lot I of I believe Twitch is using the GraphQL Go side of it. Um, there's may, a lot of them. On may, that side. Maybe that I'm aware that a couple of companies also use like Java heavily. Some companies use Elixir heavily. So and and that's the fantastic thing about GraphQL that's like. It works across any technology. I think that's super important, actually, that GraphQL is this open standard. And you talked earlier about the evolution. Could we keep up with the standard? But it's, it's a really important point that, that it's, it's a fairly conservative standard because there are so many players in GraphQL. So the committee is very deliberate about adding new features to the standard. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And I think it's a, giving a lot of the listeners reassurance to check this out. So... I guess now the question is, like, what's next with GraphQL? I know you guys are a growing company. How big is the company now? Right. Uh, so we're currently around ten people. Cool. Ten people, um, mainly in Berlin. Is that? Um, yeah. So we're we're just about to to open a, a small office here here in the Bay Area around like dev evangelism, helping companies to to adopt GraphQL. Small sales team here. And product wise, it's really like this. The framework was the next big step after the backend service. And the next steps for us is making sure that the components that are part of the framework can be used standalone. So there is like a, a serverless function component. This is what we want to integrate more and more with other functions as a service providers and, for example, the serverless framework as well. And at the very core of what GraphQL is, is what we call this GraphQL database. And this is what we also want to make standalone that people can use with their existing database and have that really as an abstraction over your database that you can use GraphQL to define your data model, evolve your database layout this way, and also have a GraphQL API out of the box over your database to just make it way quicker how you can implement a, a real production-ready GraphQL API. So the on a, on a high level, it works like this, that in your GraphQL gateway, you would basically compose and define your, your GraphQL API by reusing the data capabilities of your GraphQL database. And in the API gateway, you would implement authentication, authorization, and all of that. So this is where we really see uh, GraphQL as a technology evolving. And I know you guys maintain the How to GraphQL. Or you guys kickstarted that project, right? Oh, yeah. So you've mentioned Learn Relay. We've also, a couple of months later, done Learn Apollo. And like we wouldn't have expected that the community would grow so much, but we've like had all of these all of these different ideas where people want to have also learning resources in a similar format. So we didn't want to buy like a ton of domains and like maintain all of these different resources. So we said, okay, let's take a learning from Learn Apollo, Learn Relay, and create one resource out of that. 
which helps people to get started with GraphQL with any front and any backend technology. So there's like for Relay, for Apollo, for Ember, for Angular, for all of these different front-end technologies, but also for every backend stack like Java, Scala, Ruby, uh, and we're this is where we are working. I think with more than twenty people out of the GraphQL community to keep these up to date. And it's really the go-to resource for new people to learn how to get started with GraphQL. Awesome! I'm excited to continue to see this. Well, see you guys grow, but also see the community grow and. One anecdote that I got from the actual conference that I just thought of when you said Ember is years ago I worked with a developer back in the Rails days. I did Ember for a little bit. He stayed in Ember, and he's actually the maintainer for the Ember GraphQL implementation. Okay. Yeah, that, and he that, was actually at the conference. And he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, like, we, hey. we, we've met him. That, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, he's over at MV Labs, and uh, yeah, it was small world. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny how GraphQL is now Devin, connecting right? people. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to you. <laughs> yeah, I definitely yeah uh, pick. Check out the uh, the Ember Apollo. I think it's an Ember Apollo. Yes, Apollo. Yeah, yeah the Ember Apollo implementation. Uh, Relay hasn't fully lived up to its expectations yet. That you can enable it also for like non-React for yeah. Ang- Theoretically, you can. Uh, community just haven't come around to do that yet. Maybe there are some smaller smaller projects, but hopefully that's also something that we see in the future. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to like Relay Modern looked really interesting. Yeah. But I was so invested in Apollo uh, at the time it came out, so I never made the jump back to real life for any projects. <laughs> and I think a lot of people are in the same sort of position. But uh, yeah, it'd be good to see another implementation with Relay uh, going forward. Yeah, I think both are fantastic clients. Awesome. Well, with that, I'm going to transition <laughs> us to picks. So jam picks are things you're you're jamming on, things that are uh, getting you going. Uh, this could be like music you listen to while programming, or things that you like to do when you're not programming. And Johanna, since you've been here before, I'll let you start with picks. All right. Since you also mentioned music, I'm pretty much into drum bass, and I've just found a new track by Kino. That's like I think a U, uh, like an artist from the UK. Just came out with a new album and a particular track called Cosmic Creeper. So that one is definitely like a new all-time favorite for me. And in terms of more tech stuff, I want to give a shout out to um, Manifold. So they're creating an amazing platform around combining different dev tools and what what they want to do is like what they call the steam for dev tools. That's kind of a wake but provocative bold. Uh, bold description, but I'm super excited what they're doing. So this allows you like one platform to connect things like Netlify or Now or GraphQL and and help you to to maintain all of the services that you need to to run apps. Cool. Soren, do you have any picks for us? I'm going to be a little bit old and boring here, but <laughs> I'm all into to cloud infrastructure, serverless infrastructure. So I, I love Jeff Bar's blog on, on new stuff on AWS. That's, that's my thing. Cool. <laughs> and was this AWS reInvent? Is that this week? ReInvent is, is a month from now, roughly. Oh, it's a month from now. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, I will definitely check out. I didn't even know of his name until now, but uh, <laughs> I will definitely check out his blog for sure. Uh, my picks are actually. Uh, I'm going to pick Spotify playlists. Specifically, I've been getting back into 90s R&B. So I'm just like reliving my childhood through Spotify. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I just like, got it to uh, Aaliyah, which is like someone who I listened to when I was a kid, but I never actually listened to until I got... Now I'm listening to it now. And I'm like, wow, this is actually really good stuff. And I'm, it's sad that she actually, she actually passed away. So I'm getting into 90s R&B, but from that playlist, there's actually a YouTube video. It's a TED Talk. So this is transitioning to a second pick, which is learn how to do anything in the first 20 hours. Uh, and this guy taught him how to, to do ukulele. 
he basically maps out a plan of how to like learn a new skill. And he learned ukulele, then he found out that every pop song is basically a four chord progression. So that's the same chords no matter what key you're doing. And uh, so he basically goes through playing all these pop songs with the same four chords. <laughs> and uh, so I took that same structure. And on the ukulele, I play um, Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It. And um, <laughs> it works. Awesome. <laughs> like you can take any 90s uh, R&B song, and uh, it works with those four chords. You just have to figure out what, what structure you're, you're looking for and what key you can actually sing in. How's your progress? Uh, it's good. I actually watched this video years ago. So I learned ukulele after I watched that video. <laughs> But I never actually took that to heart and actually played. But uh, yeah, it's good. It's just my problem is I always forget the words to songs, so like I can I can hum it like no one's business. But when it gets time to like sha na 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 na, I can do that really well. But I can't. I don't remember like whatever the next words are. But I can play chords pretty good. So those are my picks, and uh, this is Jamstack Radio. So guys, thanks again for coming in all the way from Germany just to do this podcast. Definitely, uh, you guys have nothing else to do except this podcast. Yeah, that that, that was totally the reason. Thanks uh, for having us. Awesome, and uh, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 